0: Hi, and welcome to the Soul Rising Podcast, I'm Dana. During your time here, you will step into your soul through enlightened conversations, meditations, and stories about healing. I started my own journey on this path long ago by earning a master's degree in counseling, becoming certified in regression and Reiki, and doing countless hours of work to raise my own vibration. It is my hope that you will see yourself reflected in me and in my guests and find self-awareness or a healing method that will propel you further on your own path. It's my belief that we aren't just healing ourselves, we are also healing all the women who came before us and all who are yet to come. Join me every Tuesday to feel more in touch with the beautiful soul that you are. On the podcast today is Nicole Ayers, a speaker, author, and editor who is on a mission to love her body more fully and help other women do the same. Nicole has penned three companion books called Love Notes to My Body, Love Letters to My Body, and Writing Your Way to Self-Love. In these books, she speaks directly to her individual body parts, expressing the gratitude and love as well as the ups and downs she has experienced as she worked to come into a place of self-acceptance. Her third book is a guided journal to help you follow in her path. During this episode, we look at her inspiration behind these three books, the importance of healing generational trauma around our bodies, and ways to take your self-care practice deeper than ever before. Listening to Nicole speak was a very emotional experience for me, and I'm sure you will feel validated and inspired by her words and her work. I'm using um, a brand new deck that I just got that just came out by Rebecca Campbell and it's called the Starseed Oracle. I don't know if you've seen it. I have not. Okay. Oh my gosh. I actually got this one this morning for myself earlier um, when I meditated this morning. So this is funny. I get to, I guess I need to pay attention to it twice and you need to hear it. This resonated with me so much and I'm, I'm sure you probably will too. Okay. So this says empathic star seeds are here to shift the world through their physical presence alone. They don't need to do anything beyond just being here thanks to the energetic ch- change their physical presence causes due to their highly sensitive nature empathic star seeds can struggle with being on earth and in a physical body. Many are prone to addiction and depression or tend to mistake other people's feelings and moods for their own Natural introverts. They tend to prefer spending time alone or in small groups Crowds can be overwhelming for them. If this card appears consider lightening the load energetically don't put yourself under such pressure go out into the world Be gentle with yourself Allow extra time and care to recover energetically. If you're feeling pressured to keep up a certain pace, instead, put on the brakes and treat yourself like a precious baby. Do whatever you can to take the pressures of the world off your plate. Switch off to switch back on. In today's world, it's normal to feel that we should be doing more, but perhaps being present in our life is enough. This could be a phase you're going through or simply how you're being called to live your life. If your work involves giving to others, right now you're being called to keep something for yourself. You don't need to transmute it all. It's okay to look after your own growth and healing before feeling you should offer it to the world. Indeed, it's necessary if you want to continue to do so sustainably. That's
1: beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. in in perfect timing for this season um, where I'm like promoting and feeling like there's so much to do and so many outreach things I, I should, you know, in quotes, be doing and things like that is such a good reminder.
0: Such a good message to just, all we have to do is be. That's just all we be. really have to do.
1: Well, and that's part of like what this whole – Mission is for me is my mentor used this phrase and I adore Elizabeth D'Alto. Um, she talks about being a living, breathing permission slip. Mm. Um, and I'm like, yeah, like when she said it, it, just, you know, I got chills all over. So I was like, yes, that's what I'm trying to do. Like that just really resonated. So Lord,
0: I love yeah. that to allow yourself to give permission to yourself to say it's okay. Yep. Insert whatever it is, but yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, for myself, but also for whoever else needs that until they can, you know, access their inner authority and they're still looking outward. Just for whoever it needs it, including myself. So yes, I love that. So let's back up and tell everyone
0: kind of what your work is, what you're doing right now, Um, the books that you're
1: working on. I just want to hear it all. So wherever you're starting, just. Go for it. Tell us. About All right. Them. So I'll tell you. I'll tell you what the books are right now, and then I can tell you more about how they came to be, if you want. Um, but I've written three body positive companion books. I say they're like a family of books because they always. It was always three. I didn't actually. I knew it was always two, and then when I started working with my editor, she was like, "Oh no, this is three. Um, but the first one that came into creation is called "Love Notes to My Body," and it just. It brings me joy to even think about it. It is whimsical. It is gory. It's illustrated. It's an illustrated book for grown-up women. Mm-hmm. Um, and each page is, or each spread, I should say, is a love note to a different body part of mine. And my very talented friend, Micah Gudia illustrated all of my notes. And that was such a cool partnership because I literally would look at her paintings and be like, are you walking around in my head? You know, but she would just take what I had written and, and you know, and, and create this gorgeous painting to go along with it. And so that book is just so much fun and truly a celebration of my body and all of her parts and all of my immense gratitude for all of my parts. Um, but what happened as I was writing is some of my notes got longer and longer, and longer, and really turned into some deep dives into things that I needed to heal, or had healed, or was coming to awareness about, and so I ended up writing letters, and so the second book is called Love Letters to My Body, Writing My Way to Self-Love, and it's a collection of personal essays, and there are 13, which was not planned, and then I was super excited about afterward. Um, Because I found out how um, special the number 13 is in divine feminine energy and for women. And I was like, of course there were 13, you know, of course there were, Um, but it, it, it is, it is a deeper read. It is, I won't, um, it's a little grittier. I think is a good word for it Um, because I do take some deeper dives into things that have been a struggle all my life that I'm finally saying no more of. You know knew more of, and then the third book is called "Writing Your Way to Self Love: A Guided Journal to." Um, let me read it exactly. I always mess this up, and that's silly. It's my title, and I still mess it up. <laughs> a guided okay. journal to help you love your body one part at a time, and that's exactly so. If my my notes or my letters inspire somebody else to give this practice a try, then I laid it out for you in the guided journal, and you can can you give it a whirl yourself.
0: Oh my gosh, I just this just like speaks to my soul this is like the path that i personally have been on for a while and i think a lot of women are i think mm. a lot of us are reaching this point where we're like we're done with what society has told us about our bodies we're done with the old way of being and we're going to move into acceptance and love of our physical form and all that it brings us here to do and and the vehicle that it is for our soul and if we don't love that vehicle we're going to be held back from our ultimate purpose so I truly, truly resonate with the work that you're doing. I think it's incredible. Um, I love that you started with short little notes that everyone can probably relate to. And then you go much deeper into that. And we get to see your process of healing yourself and,
1: yeah. and apply that to our own lives. I love this structure. <laughs> this Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, and it, it really was divinely inspired because it started as a practice for myself. Um, And solely for myself, I am a writer, I've always, I don't, you know, I've always processed my feelings through writing, you know, I've been a journal keeper and that sort of thing. And I had reached a point in my life a few years ago where I had that wake up call of things aren't okay and I'm not okay and I want to be okay. And so how do I get there? And um, what came out of that work that I was doing was how little I liked myself. And I was stunned um, because if you had asked me, oh, do you love yourself? Do you love your body? I would have been like, yes, I do." You know, I thought I was a confident woman. And when I really started looking at how I treated myself and how I spoke to myself, it was so eye-opening because I was like, I don't like myself at all. You know, and it was heartbreaking. And I was like, well, this is terrible. And I have two daughters. They are going, they're 10 and 12 next month. And, you know, they're already inundated with all these messages about how we're supposed to look and be. And, you know, and I know how potent my role in their life is. And I was like, I have to fix this, not just for me, but for them. You know, this is just so crucial to to get this figured out. And I was, I'm a doer also by nature. So if I want to make something better, what can I do to make it better? It's just sort of how I operate. And I've always been a note writer too. Like I love to write people thank you notes. I'm one of those weirdos who actually likes writing thank you notes and and things like that and um, and little love notes and things. And so I started thinking about it and I was like, well, how did I fall in love with my husband? You know, what do we do? How do we fall in love? And how do you romance somebody? If I want to love myself and love my body, how do I go from not liking myself at all to this other extreme, right? And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to have to court her. You know, I'm going to have to romance her a little bit. And so it's really, really hard to not like someone that you're writing a love note to. You know, um, even if you don't really mean it, it's, it's hard to have those same feelings of angst or anger or whatever. You know, it just sort of love just always creates a path for me. And that's what happened. And so that's what I did. I started in my journal every day. I would sit down and write a love note to one body part. And it was, you know, sometimes they were there and you'll, and then the love notes to my body, you can see like some of them are really silly. You know, I write to my pinky toe because, you know, poor pinky toe has been banged into so many <laughs> corners and desks along the way. And that, you know, it was kind of fun to write and just say, I love you. And I'm sorry I keep banging you out, you know, yeah. um, but then some of them were a lot harder, like my knees. I've had four knee surgeries. I'm 42. I was not an athlete, um, and I have all these scars on my knees. And I've been sidelined for months at a time because of my knee injuries, and that's been really hard to han you know to deal with and handle and not. Um, feel you know I'm I'm such a burden or oh you're so you're just bad people would ask me what happened and they would want this you know exciting story of my fall down the ski slope or something and I would just be like I fell you know and, and feeling shame around that and just feeling bad and so those like those letters just they were love I call them love letters but they really ended up just being acceptance letters like you just had accidents and it's okay and you're not bad. You just had accidents. It's okay. And so, you know, and I would write sometimes to my knees, I probably wrote 10 or 12 notes just to my knees. Um, and so I would just do that every day. I would just sit and write one note. Like that was all it was, could be short. It could be whatever needed to come that day would come. And after, and it really, it was transformative. It truly was. It was just a way to look at myself differently and just be grateful for my body, for everything that she offers and for all the, I mean, literally hundreds and hundreds of parts and systems and all of these different things. And, um, about six months into the practice, um, I just one day got this with, I opened my notebook and I just heard the whisper, this isn't just for you. And I was like, well, I don't know what that means, but okay. Um, And then I kept, you know, hearing it's time, you know, it's time to share your story. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe I could put these into a little book. And always in my head, they were illustrated. And, um, and it just snowballed. So I talked to my friend and I said, you know, she's so talented. And I was like, hey, I have this idea. I want to do this thing and write this book, but it really is going to need to be brought to life with pictures. Would you be willing? And thankfully she stepped in and said yes to this project too. And and from there, I did it, you know. And so I always thought, well, I would do the notes and, and do a journal just to show people how, because I'm a teacher at heart, um, you know, and, and, but then, like I said, when I met with my editor and she was like, you know, you really have another book in here. These, these are, some of these are essays. And I was like, okay, so we'll show some of the harder parts of all of this too. So, Wow.
0: Oh my gosh. I mean, just listening to that, I was getting emotional just hearing it because, um, sometimes it is really hard to find that gratitude for those parts of our bodies that we have such deep, painful issues with. And for you, it was for your, it was your knees. And for someone else, it could be a very different body part. I know some of my triggers are, you know? Um, So I just think that that's really brave work to tackle that. Did you have um, like a system or did you just kind of go off your intuition on which body part to talk about
1: that day? It was very much an intuitive process and just listening and feeling what was coming up there. In fact, in the essays, in the table of contents, it's it's no particular order other than this was the order that came, you know, that I needed to talk about and organize things. And some of my beta readers who are very, you know, analytical, very A to Z minded were like, this order isn't, you know, isn't the way that I expected to be reading it. They wanted it like head to toe. And I was, that's not how it showed up for me. So that's not what I'm giving you, you know? Yeah. It was all, it's always been a very intuitive process. Um, including the stories that I'm not ready to write. Um, you know, this is so, and I talk about this too um, in the essays and the journal is this is a lifelong process you know, I have definitely healed a lot of my wounding that I had around my body and traumas that I've had, but there are still parts that I'm not ready to come to terms with. And, you know, I think there's a real shadow side to this work that we think that we have to love our body. And and it has to be this, you know, magnificent love story that we are so enamored of our bodies um, as the antithesis of hating our bodies. And yeah, it absolutely can be that, but it also could just be, you could be in a place of neutrality and just be at peace and accept what it is, what it is for what it, you know? Um, and so it's such a continuum. And it, for me, it's a continuum with different parts. Um, you know, I mentioned briefly in one letter's like, um, I'm still really pissed off at my cervix. I went into um, preterm labor with my first daughter and I was on bed rest for like 13 weeks. And then with my second daughter, it was, you know, highly suggested that I have this procedure to to mitigate not going into preterm labor again. And I did, and that was an extremely traumatic experience. And then the birth of my second daughter was extremely traumatic because I'd had that procedure. So, So I'm just still kind of, and it's been almost 10 years. I'm just still pissed. It's okay. It's okay that I'm still just not there and I'm just letting it be. And when I'm ready to have those conversations with my cervix, I will.
0: You bring that up because I think so often we think that we have to um, we have, to, we have to be some other extreme in order to be so accepting, but that's, that's not it. We don't nec- we're never going to be perfect in these bodies. We are yeah. never going to feel a perfect way. And so part of it, I think is accepting those emotions around it too. Like you said, accepting that body part, accepting the emotion that you feel and saying, that's all right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I shared on um, this story on Instagram right around, um, well, a few weeks ago, but it happened at Christmas. My daughter got one of those Polaroid cameras. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to figure it out and I hit the button and this extremely unflattering photo rolls out. And my initial reaction, like I felt like that eighth grade girl again, Mm -hmm. who had been so embarrassed about her body. And I was like, (gasps) Uh. and my daughter cracked up. She thought it was hilarious because to her, it was just a funny picture. And I was like, I immediately was in this shame spiral. Oh my God, I can't believe I look like this. And the cool thing about the work I've been doing is I pretty quickly, you know, caught on to what I was doing. I, you know, I was like, Oh, breathe, stop. And then I went into this completely different shame spiral about who am I to be telling people about loving their bodies when I clearly still don't love mine. You know, and so it was such the and so I, I had and I had to sit with that for a couple of weeks and then just go, no, this is this is the work that we're doing. I am going to see photos sometimes and have a knee-jerk reaction. I haven't been conditioned for 42 years to look and be a certain way in an ideal and for that to go away after just a couple of years of work. Right. It 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 does, you know, and and getting myself that grace of there isn't a rush here and this is a lifelong relationship. I'm cultivating with my body.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that Instagram post. I I saw it and I think we have all had that moment where we you know, when you go to take a photo or something and it yeah, it just the camera flips around and you're like, oh my gosh, and it's at the most unflattering angle and it's not what we look like and (laughs) it's not even representative of who we are at all, but it triggers something deep within you. Oh my gosh, I related to that so so much. We've all been there. We've all done that. And I want to say that you're brave for doing that because it's in our society. That's not something that we would do is post that photo. We would delete it as soon as possible
1: and never want to think about it again. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, in that, like, I literally took it and I hit it in my, like, my daughter's like, I'm going to show everybody. And I like grabbed it out of her hand. And my purse was like right with me. Cause we were getting ready to walk out the door and I like shoved it in a pocket of my purse. And I, I mean, that was, and I was like, as soon as I can throw this away without anybody seeing me throw it away too, cause I just didn't want to, you know, wow. all of it. Yeah. And, and that, and so it was when I was cleaning my purse out again that I was like, okay. And, and I did, I mean, I, I, I journaled about it <laughs> and I sat with it and, um, I, I really did. And, and going back to being a living, breathing permission slip, I was like, okay, this is a way I can show that this work isn't. Isn't perfect. It isn't meant to be perfect, and it's meant to be processed. And so, that is when I get to places where I feel really afraid of sharing or feeling really vulnerable. That is what I'm always thinking about. Like, it's about my daughters because that's really always they're my they're my guiding light in this work. Um, But then you know, from there, of course, it extrapolates to my friends and and you know, all the women and all the girls. And I'm just like, all right, other people need to hear this too. So. Yeah, they, they really do. Um, I, I just,
0: this is generational work it, at its mm-hmm. core. I mean, this is, this is our daughters. This is our future, but this is also the past. This is for Absolutely. our mothers, our grandmothers. This has been drilled in generationally. It's in our DNA. It's in our core. This is not just switching simple thinking. I mean, this right. is, this is ingrained. Um, what has come up for you about that?
1: Oh, lots. <laughs> lots and lots. One, um, um, I, I mentioned Elizabeth Yelto earlier, my mentor and teacher, and I went to a, a weekend, a Wild Soul Movement weekend workshop with her. And she has um, an oracle deck, and um, she pulled a card the second morning, and she was like, I just got a feeling we needed to do this practice today. And it's called Breaking the Lineage. And in the practice, you, you, it's a meditation and you imagine yourself, um, in the center and there, you know, imagine the seven generations that come after you on your right side. And you imagine the seven generations that came before you on your left side. And you imagine taking their hands and everybody's holding hands and just being this light, this, you know, breaker of whatever it is. And I just had a really visceral response to it. I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and that's when that was the first time for me that I was like, Oh, that's the, that's part of this work that I'm doing. Um, and it is, I, I know from watching my mother and my grandmother, how important appearance has always been in their lives and those lessons that were ingrained to me. And I talk about that, um, And one of my, actually in a couple of essays it comes up, but that idea of just, it's perfection. That's, that's the line that runs in my family. And it's not only perfection in how I look, it's perfection in what I say and how my house looks and how my children behave and, and, you know, and everything. And so absolutely, I know that this is part of the work that I'm doing and also, um, have run into that this work that I'm doing is really hard for those past generations to handle. Um, and so there's, you know, they're not in the place that I am and that's okay. And I'm doing this work anyway um, because I do see the changes that it's making in my daughters. Ah, oh, this is like making me emotional. <laughs> well, there's a letter called Dear Tear Factory because I cry very often. Um, and something that I've been so worried with, uh, as I'm starting to spread this message is how do I talk about it without crying? Because I do cry very often about it because it's so tender territory. Um, And I finally just realized, you know what, when I need to cry, I'm just going to cry and that's all right. So
0: it just hits everyone just so hard. And I think um, you just witnessed the women in your life going through this and Um, you don't want anyone to feel this way. You don't want your daughters to feel this way. I have a three-year-old daughter and I think about her too. And I just, she's so young. And I think about the impact that I have that her life could be totally different. You know, Mm. she may not even have to go through this at all. If I can help her and be a model for her and show her the way, um, I think that our our future is such a driving force in this right now
1: <laughs> yeah no I mean that's I mean and that's something that I'm trying to be really cognizant of um, because one of the things I want to do is gather the women yeah, right gather the women, but it it's such tender work it's so you know cl- it's so close to our wounding and stuff that it it is it it needs to be really slow work too, right, and just witnessing people and taking my time with it and and being, you know, just offering space to sit with people with it because um, it, it, I mean, it's, this is hard. And in fact, one of the things that I did with the journal was to create in the back, it's called a helping hand section, mm-hmm. but I offer a lot of resources like crisis lines and therapy options, especially if you need therapy and you don't have the financial resources to get therapy, what are your opportunities? And, people to follow and books to read because I don't think we can do this work by ourselves, nor do I think we're, if we're really going to heal all of the wounds, can we do it by ourselves? Well, we need to see others doing it. Um, but like you
0: said, to be the permission slip for other people and to, to, if we see someone else doing it, it gives us the courage to do it ourselves and it, it just permeates so much. It's not even just how you feel about your, um, your body, when you look in the mirror, but for me, it's a worthiness factor. It's Mm -hmm. like,
1: um,
0: you know, even doing this podcast, when I first said to start it, it was like, well, do I look good enough for my headshot photos? I don't know if I even want to put those online or I'd love to, um, I'd love for this to blow up and become well-known, but Ooh, do I look good enough for that? Do I feel worthy enough for that? Like it's, it's so much. It's, and it, when you say it out loud, it sounds so stupid. <laughs> it's like, of it, course it, you're worthy for it, you know?
1: Yeah, no, but but we've been taught to think that we're not. Yeah. In a million different little ways from commercials to the ads in Target. My kids laugh at me because I was in Target a few months ago and they have started to expand their, um, their, range of models, the diversity in the models that they show. And I was walking by the women's section and they had a photo, um, a large size photo of a black woman who was not a skinny mini. And I was pushing my cart, and I was looking and I literally almost ran into an employee because I was so enamored of, I was like, Like I'm still, I was like, oh my God, Target, way to go. Bam. And I like, run into this poor woman and they've been making fun of me every time we go into Target since then. But I'm like, it matters. Like this work matters so much. And it crosses, like you said, so many different, it is, it is, it always comes back to me and doing this for me, but it's looking at my worthiness. It's looking at putting my message out into the world. It's looking at how, How can I use the gifts that I have to, you know, be a social justice advocate or whatever it needs, you know, it's touching on so many different places for me that it's, it's one of the amazing things about the work that, that, that kind of avalanche of, of power that comes from accepting myself. Um, and, and I, and don't actually had the idea, part of this whole body of work stemmed from, I had the notion, I wanted to write a different book. Um, I was planning to write this book called Ripples and I may still write it one day. I don't know. I'm just trusting, um, if that needs to be written, it will be, but it was all about how one person can make such a difference, how one ordinary person can make such a difference. And, and I got the idea because it was after, um, I think the, the Lakeland, Florida school shooting, the Marjorie Stoneman high school shooting. Um, and I just remember again, just the, the paralyzing nausea and how is this the world that I'm living in and, and, and just being like the, just this one person devastated so many people's lives. Um, you know, and even I didn't know anyone at that high school, but just feeling so devastated myself just for all that collective heartbreak. And after sitting with it for a while, I was like, one person can create that much destruction and heartbreak, but one person could create a whole lot of love and empowerment and beauty in this world too. And so what one ordinary person, right? Of course we have our celebrities and our influencers who have amazing impacts with their followings and um, that is wonderful, but just everyday folks can make these kinds of changes, and the difference is I think we don't see it or always know it. It's like these ripple effects that we have, um, kind of going back to that generational lineage, too. You know, we have all these ripple effects in everything that we do, and so I wanted to show that to people that, look, we can all make a really big difference, and, um, and it's in and its circles of influence, and so it always was, it starts with yourself and then your family and then your community and then your whatever. And I kept getting stuck on that. It starts with yourself part because I was like, we have, I have to be okay with myself before I can really help my family and before I can help my community. And so that was like, I think the first seeds of when I realized I didn't like myself very much at all. Um, but when you start to do this work, um, it is so empowering and I think opens so many doors for us to tell the messages that we've been sent here to tell and, and do what we've been sent here to do.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of times people think I want to help the world. So I need to create a podcast. I have to write a book.
1: I want
0: to be famous. I want to become an influencer or whatever. And I think all those things are great. Like you said, but, um, all you really have to do is, is love yourself and work on yourself and live your life. I mean, really, if you are a person who lives from a space of love and from heart-centeredness, you will change the world without even really having to try.
1: Yep. Just be, to be who you are. Just be who you are. Um, was, yeah, absolutely. like I said, and I think that's we get hung up because we don't always see the yeah. effects of our love going out in the world. And um, for me, that's a really spiritual that's a spiritual thing like I just have to try I just trust that it's it's out there doing what it's supposed to be doing and doing its thing so
0: yeah um can we go back I want to ask you about the number 13 yeah um and about kind of the divine feminine because I think part of this is that we we don't have to do this alone like you said we working on ourselves and going back to the self is important, but doing that work doesn't have to be by yourself.
1: No, 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 no.
0: Yeah. So can you talk about kind of what the number 13 represents for the
1: divine feminine and how that impacts your work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I will tell you what I know. It's not a lot. Um, sure. but I found out, like I said, after I had written the essays and there were 13. And I kind of had this like, oh, there's 13, because here in America, you know, 13's I'm an 13. unlike <laughs> it's not we have hotels that don't have thirteen floors and stuff, you know um and then very soon after that, I don't even remember where I read it um no, I have no idea, but I read about how in um you know in ancient times number thirteen was a really magical number for women, and it was during like um the inquisition and then in um and here in America, like during the witch trials and things like that, that, um, it was stamped out. It was a way to go, you know, it went from being a holy sacred number to practitioners of, you know, different spiritual practices, um, which, which is, for example, um, to being created, it, it was, a, like I said, here in America, it was, oh, that's an evil number, and putting this really evil emphasis so that these wise women, these healer women were no longer listened to. They were no longer trusted. Um, and that just really pissed me off a little bit. And, you know, just, just I hear that stuff and I, and just, I get a little, I get mad. Um, and so then I was like, yeah, there's 13, um, you know, they're supposed to be so, and, and that's really all I know, but it was funny when I was sitting down with my publisher um, I mentioned that we it came up and I mentioned that and she grew up, um, she has roots in um, Europe and she was like, yeah, she was like in Europe, 13 is actually still a lucky number hmm. and um, Europeans will come to America and think it's hilarious that we don't have the 13th floor in hotels and things like that because it's actually um, lucky for some people in Europe. So
0: I think it also is connected to the moons. I think I've heard mm-hmm. something about that, that there's like 13 full moons in a year, yeah. you know, and the you're moon right. is very representative of the feminine the, yep. and the intuition. And you so, just yeah, me, that out.
1: <laughs> yeah, you just made me think of a poetry, but it's called 13 Moons on Turtle's Back. Oh. And it's a collection of Native American poetry about the different full moons. So I think you're right about that.
0: I think, I, I don't know if it's full moons or new moons. Or maybe even both. No, I think
1: it was full because each of the in that book there were 13 poems and each of them was about a different full moon. Okay. Um a different season of full moon and like a different tribe's take on that full moon. So
0: okay, well then that makes right.
1: sense. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the moon is also um, you know, a circle. And that represents the divine feminine in itself that we come together in a circle and we help one another. And um, so how have you relied on other women to kind of help you with this? Um, with healing your body, yeah. so that has
1: absolutely been a work in progress for me too. Because mm-hmm. one of my wounds has been not to trust other people very much, um, or see. You know, I would see friends who had like tight groups of friends, and I don't. I have lots of friends. I'm so blessed, and that there's always I can call on somebody to help me. But like, I don't have this tight circle of friends who are all friends with each other, and we go on you know, retreats and things like that. And that's something I'm like, oh, I'm really craving that. Um, but what I've really started to witness is that that's okay, number one. It's okay. And also that as I continue to do this work, I'm attracting the people in who are wanting to do this work and have these conversations. And so my people are here and celebrating the ones that I already have, and also my people are coming. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. But um specifically, how have I relied on other people? Um throughout this work, um, like I said, my illustrator, um, Micah has been such an amazing support, um, create like, I, you know, I just, I really, we have such a heart connection to this work and this legacy that we're creating. And so being able to share things and lean on her has been wonderful. And then specifically my editor, um, is Tanya Gold. She's so brilliant and, could see exactly when I needed encouragement and say this work is important because in those early days you know I was trusting the nudge that this wasn't for me but I also did a lot of questioning of my worthiness and imposter syndrome and who am I to be writing these books and and always she was there at the right moment at the right time to say no this is important this is important and and, and coaching me through how to to get the message across and then I had an awesome team of female beta readers and gave me such sage counsel there. And my, you know, my publishing team is, is men and women, but there's some really fantastic women to lean on there. And then um, new friends that I've made, like my, you're talking about your headshots and things like that. And so my photographer Cass Bradley and um, Corey Fuel, like they've been an amazing, huge part of this process that I didn't even know I needed until I found them. Um that day was one of the most magical days of my life. And it was a huge hallmark of the work that I've done. Um, you know, because when when you're doing this work and, and really trying to to heal yourself, it's hard to sometimes know how far you've come. Mm-hmm. And that day I, I went to their studio and I had the hair and makeup and all that, and I took You know, I posed for all of these pictures and I had a blast. It was so fun and memorable. And not one time did I think about sucking in. Good. And I was wearing like one and, and one of the, and I like, I got to change outfits and stuff. And one of the dresses I wore was very form fitting. Um, and that was a big put, like, and I, and I told Kat, I'm like this, this one I'm not sure about, you know, and she was like put the dress on and I was like, okay i put the dress on, but, and I did these, and I didn't, and I realized and it was at the end of the day that I was reflecting. I was like, I didn't think about sucking in and I just let my stomach be, mm-hmm. you know, and that's when I was like, oh, that's what this looks like in practice now. Um, and, you know, and I wouldn't have seen that if, if Cass and Corey hadn't held that mirror up for me to see it. And so that's been like a really cool part of this practice. Is like I said, the women that are coming into my life and showing me um, the work, not only that I'm doing, but that the work that they're doing. And so it's been really amazing. And um, one other thing that I did that has been so powerful is I've I mentioned Elizabeth multiple times because she's so important in my life, but um, she runs a year long circle. For women called power. And last year was the first year that it was a year long container. And I was in there with about a hundred other women throughout the year. And it's, and it's, you know, it's a virtual circle. I mean, we, you, she does have in person, weekend workshops and things like that, but i um, doing just healing work and finding my own empowerment and trusting my own inner authority with a hundred other women doing the same kind of work was a really magical experience too and, and and no one was fixing anybody it was just being witnessed in in that circle so women yeah. are amazing and i am so grateful i know that now because i didn't always know that you know so
0: yeah i think we've seen each other as um competition in the past you oh know? so much <laughs> so and much now to be able to see one another as um someone who can hold space for you and and encourage you and just give you that space to be who you are without having to do anything else. I think it's amazing. And, um, you know, I think part of that is taking care of ourselves and, um, allowing ourselves to have those relationships because sometimes Mm -hmm. we don't we don't even allow that. Mm -hmm. Um, people might be there and they want to come in, but you, you have, for whatever reason, have blocks to it. So opening up to that is important. Yeah. yeah. Can we talk about some of your, um, self-care rituals outside of writing notes to your body? Because I think those are, that's, that is a self-care practice in and, oh. of, you know, yeah. like we love to talk about self-care being a bubble bath or a manicure or whatever, but it self-care is really deep soul work. So, um, obviously the work that you've done has been <laughs> self-care.
1: <laughs> what yeah. else do you like to do? Absolutely. So, I mean, it's, so part of it is the, um, like the holy consistency of that practice. And it's, it's really simple to write a love note, but showing up to write a love note every day isn't as simple. Yeah, It, it is simple and it's also complicated, right? And so just trying to be really consistent with my work Um, the, the main thing that I do is I take a couple of hours every single morning for myself Mm. and it, I used to feel really guilty about taking two, you know, and, and I always, you know, I'm like, Oh, I won't take as long this morning. And it's always about two hours. And that's just the amount of time that I need. And finally giving myself permission to take that time. And I do. I do a couple of different things and and I'll rotate in and out different practices, but I will do, um, just some breathing, just some breathing meditation work, you know, just, it doesn't necessarily have to be a specific meditation or anything. A lot of times I just sit with just and just breathe, Mm -hmm. um, and give myself some of that room to breathe practice. Um, someone taught me and then if there's a book that I'm reading that is speaking to the world, like I've been, I read a lot of body positive books right now because I want to hear what other people are saying And what they're doing and so I'll read for a little bit um and then I have a gratitude journal and so every day I try and write down five things that I'm grateful for and then I usually close it out with um, like a moving meditation and so and that's part of that power program it's um it's it's a you know about 20 minutes long it's just moving my body um when, if I don't do that, then I'll like just put some music on and dance or I will just go for a walk. And so that is how I set myself for the day, most days. And, you know, of course it does, there are days that it like on Tuesday mornings, it doesn't happen. I have a standing obligation on Tuesdays and I can't do all of that and get out the door on time. But most other days I give myself that time in that space, um, to just let my head do what it needs to do, let my heart do what it needs to do, let my body do what it needs to do. That's my big thing. And and it is being consistent and just showing up for that. Um, and then the other thing that I've done is really, you asked me earlier about trusting my intuition and following um, the lead on that. And there have been a few things that I needed to like go out and give a whirl. Um, like I kept getting this, sense I wanted to do one of those um, deprivation salt tanks. Um, And so I did, I finally did it. Um, And it was a beautiful experience after the fact. I didn't think it was so fantastic during um, because I kept waiting for, um, like, I thought, like, It would be dark and it would be quiet and I would be held in this water. And then the heavens would part and Divi, which is my nickname for God, Divi was going to open up and share some divine knowledge with me. Like that's what I was expecting. (laughs) And it wasn't like that at all. It was just, I really, I think I dozed off. Like it was very quiet and restful. And later I realized like that was the whole thing. Like healing doesn't have to be the parting of the heavens. Um, it can literally be in the quiet, in the stillness, in the slowness of things. And so later I was so happy to have done something like that, you know, but in the the moment, it was a little different. Plus the salt felt kind of, the water felt kind of slimy because there was so much salt in it. Oh, Um, yeah, it was, it was, the whole thing was very bizarre. Like I'm tempted to do it again just to see what it would be like a second time. Um, Because I had so many expectations around the first one. But it's following nudges like that. Um, And also, um, last year, I, uh, around a specific body part and notes I was writing, had a lot of rage come up. Mm. Um, And I, you know, and that's really hard to transmute for me on my own. Because I've always been like, oh, I just kind of want to stuff it down. I don't want to say the wrong thing and push people away and whatever. And it was so big and I couldn't hold it. Um, and my, I was working with an intuitive healer and she was like, I just really feel like you need like a padded room to just go like have the tantrum of all tantrums and beat it out. And literally the next week I was getting my hair done and was kind of talking about it with my stylist. And she was like, you know, they have these things called rage rooms now. And I was like, what? You know, and it's just always that divine, right? I was like, what is that? And there is there, are literally, there is a couple in Charlotte um, area, which is where I live. Um, but it is literally you go. And I was in this, this small room and it had cinder block walls. And they gave me a, a box of breakables, of bottles and things. And there was a punching bag and a crash test dummy, and this big huge thing of tires, and there were bats, and like golf clubs, and things, and I had like 45 minutes to blast raging music, and just beat the crap out of stuff, and break these glasses, oh my gosh, it was, it was intense, and amazing, um, you know, and but, and to me, like that was part of my self-care, was not only knowing that I needed to do some, I needed some help. I needed a place to do that. And then following the nudges to do it. So um, just, oh, I bet that felt so good. Holy cow. I mean, it was, it was amazing. Like I, I, I went and I did and I threw and I punched and kicked and I yelled. And I mean, it, it was so cathartic and I walked out to my car and then I just sobbed. Like I couldn't drive, I couldn't even drive that, you know, I just sobbed. Um, and I actually took myself away that weekend. Like my husband was really supportive and I was like, I think this is going to be hard for me to process. So I just want to go be by myself. And he made that happen for me and I did. And so I, I just let myself get all of that out. And there was intense healing and forgiveness for myself that came from that. Cause after I did that practice, I was, um, one of the things I was able to do is forgive my younger self for just being dumb we're <laughs> making some dumb decisions. Cause that's what you do when you're in your early twenties, you just sometimes do dumb stuff cause you're still learning and it's okay. I mean, it was so healing to do that. So that is my self-care practice, is is holy consistency every day that I can just sitting with myself and doing those things that feed me. And then listening to the nudges when there's something bigger, I mean, help with their lesson I need to learn and just, I'll, and just trusting at this point. Um, I've had enough experience trusting Divi, um, with those little nudges now that I'm like, okay, I don't get it, but I'm going to do it anyway. So
0: can I just ask you practically like mom to mom, how yeah. do you get those two hours in? I mean, my, my oldest is in second or first grade. So he's, yeah. easy. he's out the door, but yeah. with a three-year-old, I have to get her to preschool. I mean, and maybe it's
1: just the stage that I'm in, but I'm like,
0: how do I get? It?
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Out. So oh, that's a great question. Yeah. It's, it, both of mine are in school all day. Um, the bus leaves with the second one at seven thirty in the morning and I'm self, I'm self-employed. And so also, you know, I have tons of flexibility with that. And so when her bus leaves, you know, when that last bus leaves, I run up to my room and shut the door. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? And so I have that time. So, absolutely, that is a season where I am. But yeah, with a priest, I wasn't there, um, you know, until my kids went to school full time. And so it was, and then it looked a lot more like snatching moments when I could.
0: That's um, how we feel. Uh huh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, you know, and that, and it's certainly more disjointed. Um, but just it doing it when you can we can and just letting it be what it is because it you just it's, it's such a season, you know. Yeah, that's true.
0: And forgiving yourself for that because yeah, yeah I mean we want it, but it's just not always possible with No.
1: It's <laughs> not, no, and and that's part I mean, that's part of the work is just like you signed on to be a mom and letting yourself be a mom, right? right. Um I, I'm definitely not a proponent of moms sacrificing everything and all for their children. Um, but absolutely there are sacrifices to be made. And part of that is I don't, you know, I didn't have as much time for self-care. I will also say that I am so happy for you that you already are in this work when your kids are this little, because when my kids were that little, I didn't, I didn't know I needed it. Do you know what I mean? And so now I'm like, I probably, I, you know, I wonder what it would have been different if I had, um, but yeah, it's just taking what you can get. And always just, my other big self-care thing, and I think this is, is, is rest. I need a lot of sleep and so one of the things I made the mistake of doing at times was like sacrificing um sleep for a self-care practice that I thought I needed to do and really I just needed to be sleeping as my self-care practice (laughs) um too so sleep is my other like I try and go to bed my kids go to bed I go to bed you know and and get enough sleep every night so
0: that's all really sage advice. That's all really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Well, Nicole, I feel like this is just like flown by. I don't even know where the time went. Um, you gave just so much validation to me and I'm sure to my listeners too, just to keep on the path and stay consistent and just be gentle with yourself. And I am so excited for your books to come out. Can you talk about Um, where people can find you and when your
1: um, companion books will be available. Yeah, absolutely. This has been such a joy for me. Thank you for having me. Um, The books officially launch February 21st and they will be available at your favorite retailer. And so if that is an independent bookstore, you should be able to find it there um, or through IndieBound. And if that is Amazon Or Barnes & Noble or Covo or whatever there are going to be print books and there will also be ebooks available so wherever you're found if you are local to the Charlotte area you are so invited to my launch party Um, official official RSVP invitations coming very soon via social media um, for folks um, to come out and uh, we're gonna have it in my neighborhood which is just right outside of Charlotte in Fort Mill South Carolina um, so, if you want to be part of that in your local, follow me on Instagram. My handle is NicoleCAyers.com. And I see I have a Facebook as well, Nicole Campbell Ayers, but I typically post my things on Instagram. And if you want to be in the know about all the book things and you just want to be witnessed with your own stuff or you want to be sweet talked a little bit, I have a weekly newsletter called love notes. And if you go to my website, you can sign up and every Thursday I will send you a love note. Uh, And I truly do. I I talk about, you know, something short and sweet. I share a love note to a body part, and then I share a a must listen or a must read or a must view some piece of media that's really inspiring me around body positivity. And so you can sign up there at my website, which is NicoleCairs.com.
0: Awesome. Well, I will put links to your Instagram in the show notes as well as your website. Thank you. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go there and sign up for your newsletter <laughs> I want that every Thursday.
1: And I always tell like, please be sure, like check it. Um, it'll ask for a second confirmation. And so check your spam or your promotions. And if you do sign up, you get access immediately to my love groups playlist, which was what I listened to while I was writing um actually that's another way that I was really held by other people and other women in particular while I was writing is is these songs you'll get access to that too
0: thank you so much Nicole this has been just uh, it's been really validating for me personally on a personal level so thank you so much for that
1: you're so welcome thank you for having me and letting me talk to you and your listeners
0: I hope you found information, clarity, or inspiration that you'll take with you today and use in your everyday life. If you enjoy my show, the biggest compliment you could give would be sharing it with your friends, subscribing, rating, and reviewing it on whatever device you use to listen. Visit me at thesoulrisingpodcast.com or at the underscore soul rising podcast on Instagram and Facebook. A huge thank you to Purple Planet for the music used in this episode. See you next time.